This is the Purpose Church podcast where we exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. All right, who's ready to learn today? Say, I am. Well, it's good to see you this morning. Glad to have you here at church today. My name is Landon, and my wife Kelly and I get to pastor this great church. If we've not had the pleasure of meeting, we'll get to meet you after service. But let's jump right into week one of Strapped. We're going to discover what God's Word says about money and how to manage money. Now, I need your participation today. How many of us, how many of you could use some more money? Raise your hand. How many? Raise it up high. How many of you could use? Raise it up. Raise it up. Hold them up. You got two hands there, James. You could use some more money. Dave Ramsey says, money is fun if you have some. Now, a lot of us in the room said we could use some more money, but the next participation moment, who has ever done something stupid with money? Raise your hand. You've done something stupid. There's more hands than that one. More hands that time. I, and if the, those that didn't raise their hands, just look, you know, you could look around because they're liars. Um, I've, I've made some stupid mistakes with money. I've made some very dumb mistakes, got ahead of myself with money. Now, here's the ground rules for this series in the next four weeks. There's no judgment, and there's no guilt being thrown out. Do not receive any. If you feel judged or you feel guilty, can I just tell you right now, that has never been God. So if you feel judged or you feel guilty in this series, it is the devil trying to get you to not hear what the Word of God says about money. Today is all about the heart. Everybody say heart. Today's all about the heart. Next week, we're going to get into some practicals, some disciplines. We're going to talk about how to get out of debt. We're going to talk about saving and investing. And then you heard the announcement reel. We've got the financial learning experience with Joe Sangle. He'll be speaking here at church on the 21st, and then he'll be here that afternoon for two hours with us for the financial learning experience, and I'm excited to resource you as much as I can to get free in one of the most important areas of our lives. Our key series verse is Proverbs 22, verse 7, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. Now, I'm not in any way a money expert, but I do love the Word of God, And I've been studying and teaching God's word for over 16 years, and I will be very honest with you that the Bible is full, chocked full of answers about our money. It's very, very clear that it's important to God, and if it's important to God, it should be important to us, and why would I withhold from you keys to freedom? So I'll share with you some important keys to freedom. Let's read our key verse again. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. That word servant means a slave, or it means in bondage. It means to be a slave, or it means to be in bondage. Now, most people don't go around saying, I'm a slave to money. Most people don't do that. But what they do say 
is I'd love to get married, but I can't afford it. I'd love to start a family or I'd love to have more children. I'd love for one of us to be able to stay at home, but I need more money. I would like for us to have a bigger house. I've rented my whole life and just thrown money down the hole. Now I want to invest in a home, but I can't do it. I hate my job. I would love to do something different, but I'm in bondage is what they're saying. I'd love to help somebody in need. I'd love to go on this mission trip. I'd love to, to give an offering above and beyond my tithe, but I gotta feed my own kids, and they're a never-ending pit. What they're saying is, we're strapped. Everybody say strapped. They're strapped. Most people are worried about money. In fact, stats will tell us that many people are. Our culture is driven driven by worry and stress. And I want to share with you some stats about that. The average household debt in the United States is 136% of their income. So all of their income plus another 36%. If I manage the church money the way we all manage our money, I'd say go to another church now, to be honest with you, that 136%, that's sloppy and reckless money management. The only people that can get away with treating money like that is the U.S. government. The rest of us, we're held accountable. The average credit card debt per person is $14,517. Average credit card debt in the United States per person. The average 21-year-old owes $12,000. By the time they're 28, they owe $78,000. The American Psychology Association did a study that said seven out of 10 Americans regularly experience physical and psychological symptoms due to stress. Due to stress, We've learned from even in this study and even other articles, it's all over the place, that the number one focus for advertisers is your stress. Products that advertise, they'll claim to reduce your stress. Another study said that we are entering the dawn of the super stress era. When you read these statistics, guess what the number one stressor in the United States is? Money! The top three causes of stress from that same APA study are money, your job, and the economy. All have to deal with money. 70% of Americans said that they are worried about money all the time. They're consumed with worry about money. And since everything is bigger in Texas... Prosper Texas leads the nation with adults that have the most maxed out credit cards, five maxed out credit cards per person in the town of Prosper, Texas. <laughs> San Antonio, though, has the highest credit card debt burden among all 25 largest metropolitan areas. We lead the nation in obesity and credit card debt. 
Viva San Antonio. <laughs> Houston and DFW aren't far behind, but how many of you would agree we have a problem? We've got a problem. See, strapped, being strapped has become normal. It's become normal to us. House payments, car payments, boat payments, student loan payments, that camper payment, credit card payments, sleepless nights, marriage tension and fighting over money, worrying and anxiety, and all of the above has become normal. The number one cause for divorce in the United States is not infidelity, it's money. And as followers of Christ, we are called to be different not normal. Being strapped is normal. Let me share this with you. This is a kingdom concept, and I believe that it's true in God's word. Money is one of the best outward measurements of the inward condition of your heart. In fact, Scripture is loaded with teachings about money. The Bible has answers for every area of our lives, including our finances, there are over 800 verses that deal with money and money management. Two-thirds of the parables Jesus taught dealt with money and money management. One out of 10 verses in the Gospels deals with money and material things. There's more than money in the Bible than heaven and hell combined. God knew this would be an issue in our lives. The Bible is relevant to our lives. And no matter what the progressive version of Christianity tells you, the Bible is absolute truth, and every answer for your life is in this book. It's not based on our feelings. It's not based on what we can concoct that makes us feel good. Our answers are in here. And if you'll dare to be different enough to follow what God's word says, you can have some freedom. The Bible talks five times more about money than it does faith. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So let's talk about two temptations with money, if you're taking notes. Two temptations with money. Number one, you and I are tempted to serve money. You and I are tempted to serve money. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's impossible. It can't be done. You cannot serve God and money. And I think it's interesting that Jesus said you cannot serve God and money. He could have said anything else. You cannot serve God and power. That would have been a good one too. Cannot serve God and popularity. You cannot serve God and self. But he said money. Why? I believe that God knew that many people would have the struggle for money and that money and things would be the number one competitor for your heart. Most of you would say today, man, I'm taking notes, Landon, this is good. It's good for somebody else because I don't serve money. I don't serve money, Landon, that's not me, but 
Have you ever bought something with money that you didn't have to impress people you don't even like? You're serving money. If you've ever hoarded money because it makes you feel secure, therefore I will not tithe, you're serving money. Have you ever fought to move up the corporate ladder to give your kids a life that you never had at the expense of your family? You're serving money. So you might not, you may be saying, well, I don't serve money. Landon, I, I'm, I'm middle class. I don't serve money. Rich people serve money. Look at number two. We are tempted to love money. So we're tempted to serve money and we're tempted to love money. The first Timothy 6.10, Paul tells Timothy, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now this is important for us to know. Money is not bad or good. It's neutral. Money isn't the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. You can use money for good or you can use it for bad. And a lot of people who don't have much money would say, I don't love money because I don't have a lot of money. But they do love money because they want more money. They're jealous and critical of those who have more money. It's like a reverse arrogance. Why? Because they love money. Well, rich people obviously love money. That isn't necessarily true. They may just be good at what they do and they have money that they're not owned by their money like we are. People often misinterpret what money is supposed to do. People think that if I had more money, it would solve my problems and I wouldn't have to work as much. Generally speaking and statistically speaking, the more money somebody makes, the more they actually end up working. If I had more money, I'd be out of debt. Well, generally speaking, the more money people get, the more into debt they become. Look at lottery winners. Statistically, they lose all of their money and are in worse debt than before they won the lottery within 24 to 36 months of having won the money because the disciplines aren't there. If I had more money, I'd be more generous. Well, studies show that the highest income producers actually contribute the smallest percentage of their income to other people and stuff, other people and things and causes. So what does money do? Money makes you more of what you already are. If you're a broke jerk and you get more money, you're a rich jerk. If you're generous and you get more money, you're more generous. Money is a magnifier. Say that with me. Say money is a magnifier. See, money is not evil. The love of money is evil. Most Christians would say, I don't love money. I like it, but I don't love it. I asked you earlier to raise your hands when I said, who could use some more money? If you don't have enough money, who could use some more money? And you raised your hands 
Look at Ecclesiastes 5.10. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. So I tricked you a little bit earlier when I asked you to raise your hands. Because if we're like, yes, I could use some more money, that means I'm not satisfied, I'm not content with where I am now, I need more money. But according to scripture, if you don't think you have enough money, you love money. So here's the reality. Many of us are under money's power and don't even know it. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Many of us are under money's power and we didn't even know until now. Here's a bold statement. It's generally true in the United States. The issue isn't how much you make. It's how much you spend. We're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. The issue isn't how much you make. It's how much you spend. It's how many toys you buy. It's how much you spend. We're lifestyling ourselves into bondage. We don't usually have an income problem. It's a lifestyle problem. It's a real indication of a spiritual problem. We're trying to find significance in things other than God, and when we believe that things are solved by more money, we're under its influence, and you're saying, what I really need is more money. No, what we really need is more Jesus. Because when we have him, we have the wisdom to handle and manage what he has already provided us. It's my prayer that you would call it what it is. Be honest with yourself and start with week one of this series. Don't wait. Start now. Call it what it is. Say, I'm strapped. I'm a slave. I'm in bondage. I love money. I'm a servant to money, I'm, but I'm tired of being strapped. I'm tired of being under the power of money. I'm sick of worrying. I'm sick of not being able to do what God has called me to do. I'm sick of being normal. I want to honor God with my money. And a godly perspective on money, if you're a Christian, is we don't serve money, we serve God. And see, money serves us as we serve God. Money serves us as we serve God. See, we don't serve money. We serve God. How can money serve us? Well, in a lot of ways, money can actually buy you time. It can buy you time. If you've got a little bit of extra money, you can hire people to help you with things, to buy you some time so you can invest your time in other areas of your passion. If you've got money, it can serve you. Money buys you options. If you don't have any money, you go to grandma's house for vacation. If you do, you go to Hawaii. Money buys you options. Most importantly, money allows you to help people all around the world. We're not under money's power. But money serves us as we serve God. Let me tell you a little bit of a personal story. Kelly and I were married 
in 2004, and we made a decision that we would always honor God with our finances, even if it was hard. And it got hard. Anybody else been there? At our first ministry position, we got hired at. We interviewed for this church eight days after we got married. And when we were married, uh, we got married at 19. They didn't know how old we were. It never came up in the interview how old we were. I didn't think to tell them. But we were pastoring teenagers that were like nine months to 12 months younger than us. Our first ministry position paid us $600 a month. Total package. I was thrilled. $600 a month. Something began to develop in me, though, this panic about money. This peaceless transfer of emotion every day. This panic about where, where are we going to get that next tank of gas? Where, how are we going to be able? We didn't have any payments for anything. Now, we were taken on debt like gangbusters because we both went to private universities. But we, we didn't have to pay it back yet because we were in the grace period. I love how they use a biblical word for your bondage. You're in this grace period. Reality started to set in once we graduated with our degrees. And you look up and we, we started off in a big hole with student loans, car loans, credit card debt, medical debt. We made the decision that we did not want our children to live in a house with the emotional stronghold of debt, with the spiritual stronghold of debt. So I, we got rid of my big, gorgeous Tahoe I drove. It was gorgeous, had Flowmaster dual exhaust. It was, had a five-inch body lift on it. It sounded like a rocket ship. It was a sexy truck. Got rid of it. I ended up later, a couple of cars later, driving this Mercury Milan, which basically is like a, a granny car. But it was a cash car. I remember even driving it up to church one day and someone asked me whose car I was borrowing. And ashamedly, I said, my grandma's car. My truck's in the shop. We drove old cars. We drank water at dinner. We usually would find, you know, some kind of dinner that had a coupon. You get serious. I didn't want my kids to see us living as slaves. The Bible says that you're a slave when you're in debt. You're a slave. I never, I, I never understood that once, I, once I've really got the biblical foundation for money, I never really understood it until I got that biblical foundation, but when you buy a car and they put that big bow on it, like they're congratulating you for just selling part of your soul to the bank. Before becoming more of a slave 
The Bible says in Romans 13, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Imagine being debt free. What could you do with no car payment, no student loans, no credit card payment, no house payment? Imagine what that would feel like. And I want to tell you that it feels great. Kelly and I are out of debt with everything except for the house now. And we worked hard to get to that place. The day we kicked Sally Mae out of the house was one of my favorite days of my life. It ranks right underneath meeting Jesus, meeting Kelly, having kids, paying off student loans. It's like the next one. I think that you and I, would, it would serve us well if we could put ourselves in the mindset of how great could I serve God? How well could I serve others generously if I wasn't in debt? It's possible if you work hard and if you're wise. If you're faithful with little, God will trust you with more. The Bible says in Matthew 6, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, money serves us as we serve God. This is all about a mindset of how can I serve God better? How can I serve God more? And for a lot of you in this room, the answer is, according to studies, maybe even 70% of you in this room, the answer is get out of debt to serve God better. Landon, you don't know what kind of financial picture I'm in. You didn't know what kind of financial picture I was in. It did not look good. I wasn't taught how to handle money. I don't understand why they don't teach you this in high school. I don't understand why they didn't teach me this in five and a half years of college. But they'll gladly teach you other things and take all your money and then put you in debt for more. I don't understand why the church is afraid to talk about money when it's one of the greatest things that Jesus taught about. Becoming debt-free would unshackle you. It would literally set you free in so many areas of your life. Now, I've, I've made all of the mistakes with money. I've made them all. I've bought cars I shouldn't have bought. And my credit score looks so good, I just walk in and then they all, you feel like all the car symbols and just bow down at your feet. And you feel good when you drive off the lot and you, you wash your car all the time when, it feel, when, when it's brand new and then within two to three months you think everyone's driving your car. And now it's no longer cool and you want another one. I've never seen so many Chevy Silverados in my life until I got one. It's, there's, there's something wrong inside of our heart if we're always trying to gather more stuff. The Bible is very clear about teaching us how to be content. Content. 
If we're not content in our soul, we'll go into more debt over and over and over and over again. I want to be able to honor God with what he's given me. I want you to be able to say the same. I want you to be able to say, to go home today and look at yourself across the lunch, look at your spouse across the lunch table, look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself, I want to honor God with my money. I want to honor God with my life. See, we don't serve money, we serve God. And let's just pray right now. God, we serve you. We make that declaration today that we serve you. Above all else, God, we serve you. God, forgive us for those times where we didn't trust you. And materialism got in the way and we didn't want to wait for something and we just dove in on our own. Forgive us for mismanaging the wealth that you have given us to steward. We repent of that now and we hit the reset button. And we just ask God that you would give us all of the passion necessary and the tools necessary to live for you, including with our money. Even in a subject that seems unrelated to salvation, but it isn't, with every head bowed and every eye closed, some of you in this room might be aware that there is something missing from your heart. The reality is that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of a very real debt, a sin debt. We're all separated from God by our own sin. But there's good news. A man named Jesus was sent to die for our sins so that our sin debt could be canceled. And if you're feeling today that I'm not walking with God or I don't know where I stand with God, today you can give your life to him. Today is the day that you turn and give your life to God and have your sin debt canceled. So everybody pray with me out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. By your grace, I am healed and I am saved. Thank you for forgiving me. Forgive me for going my own way. Forgive me for being my own king. And I submit myself to you today. Your word tells me that I made a brand new creation when I receive Jesus as Lord. So I declare it today that I receive Jesus. He is my Savior. He is my Lord and King. And I'll never be the same. Never, never, never in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, give God praise today, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God uses this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory at thepurposechurch.com. 
Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.